This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. I'm a Marine Corps veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan and a proud American. Proud Americans come from all backgrounds and walks of life. Fairness and equality aren't always the same thing, but every child in this country deserves a fair chance at a happy and full life. On today's podcast, we'll meet a proud American who's working hard to help foster children achieve just that. My friend Susan Ramirez founded National Angels, a program that provides love boxes and mentorship to children and caretakers in the foster care system. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate you coming on with us. And, you know, I know that what you do is such an amazing thing. It's something I learned about years ago, actually. Uh, and, uh, and it's really exciting to have you on. You know, I grew up in a big family. My dad and two uncles lived next to their parents, my grandparents, and we shared everything. So I know how lucky I am to have that experience. But my youngest uncle was charismatic and always had, you know, upwards of a handful of friends hanging around. And a few of them kind of grew up in in my grandparents' house. And when my granddad died in 2009, and again, when my dad died last year, being the oldest brother of my dad, so many of these young men that are now grown men and have kids of their own came up and told me, you know, that they were the only father figures I had in my life. And some of them even said that they would give them money from time to time. No one knew about it just to help them, you know, advance in life. One of them's a fireman now. The other one ended up going to college. And so it wasn't a foster care situation, but I saw firsthand how a surrogate influence can can change a life and all the lives connected. That's a beautiful story. It certainly can. A community is everything. And if we can surround children with that kind of community, it can make all the difference in the world. It can mean a kid ending up to be on the streets, um, in prison, or it could mean just like what you said, a man gets to grow up and, you know, live his fullest potential by becoming a fireman. So that's the foundation of what we do is try to surround community around these children and families who are experiencing foster care. Can you tell us exactly what it is that you do for foster children and the, and the caretakers? Yeah, so we have we developed a program called the Love Box. And basically what it is, is that we pair people in the exact same zip code um, with children that are in the foster care system. And that volunteer will meet them at a minimum one time a month up to a year, sometimes longer. We have many volunteers in our program who have completed their third and fourth year. But what they do is what we're trying to build is relational permanency because on average, children who are in foster care will move seven times within two years. And I always like to say that as the statistic to kind of give people what a life in in foster care looks like. So that's seven new mommies and daddies, seven new sets of friends if they even make them, seven new schools. And what happens is that children, every time they move, they're six months behind from an educational standpoint. And that's why only about 50% of kids will graduate high school that grow up in care. And so our program supports them with things that they need and things that they want, things like school supplies and backpacks and new clothes, but also their favorite snacks and books and things that just make the child feel seen and loved and cherished, like what all kids should feel like. And then we really work with our volunteers to create relationships with these kids, to pour into them from a mentorship standpoint, and to expose them to things like extracurricular activities, 
Because if you ask children in foster care, what's the worst thing about going through care despite not having a mommy and daddy? They will always say, we never got to experience normalcy. We didn't get to go to summer camp. We didn't get to hang out at friends' houses. We didn't get to be in baseball. And so our program wants to surround every child across the country in this program so that every child has the opportunity to rise and reach their fullest potential. That's amazing. And and I I can think about that. You know, my son lives with his mom. And so one of our biggest conversations is how we're going to let him play sports and things like that and still kind of, you know, move him back and forth. And and so I understand that. Like it does take a lot of consistency just to do the extracurricular things that I think are really important. And so to hear you say that, you know, you're kind of going that extra step. It's not just necessities, but also indulging in things that you that we all know help build character and experience and make people successful Americans or human beings. Absolutely. So what really inspired you to be the one to to do this? I know that you started this as Austin Angels there in Texas and we lived I lived in Texas. That's where I met you a few years ago. And I know that the the conversation was always Texas has a foster care problem, but I don't really even know what that means. And so what in, was it the situation in Texas that inspired you to do this? And can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So I had actually, I didn't grow up knowing any children who were in foster care. I didn't know anyone who fostered. I didn't even know foster was a thing until I went to a conference and had this judge tell a story. Um, I went to a foster and adoption conference and I heard this judge speak on these two little boys who had gone in and out of his courtroom over the course of their life. And he told a story that just forever broke my heart. And I don't know how many times in your life you've had these kind of real pivotal moments. But for me, it was a moment that literally changed the trajectory of my life. And the judge had told the story about the two little boys, how he he had kind of listed all the psychotropic meds, all of the abuse. And the he told a story about the one little boy when he turned eight years old, the parental rights were terminated, which means now he's eligible for adoption. And so this little boy at eight would go to these things here in Texas called picnics. And I don't think they do them anymore. But what it was, was if you're a mom and dad wanting to adopt a child, you could go to these picnics and meet eligible children who were open for adoption. And the judge said that no matter how many times he would go, he'd never get picked at these picnics. And so he said, man, what can I do to show that I'm worthy of being loved? How do I prove that I'm a good boy? And so he said, oh, I know what I can do. I can take my report card. I can take my report card and I can go up to all the mommies and daddies and say, look, choose me. I'm good. And year after year, he would go to these picnics and never get chosen. And the judge said that right when he turned 18 years old, just a few days before he turned 18 years old, he had kind of lived his life in foster care. And right before he turned 18, um, he had a director who came to him because he was living at a residential treatment center. And the director comes to him and says, son, you have been adopted. And he says, what do you mean I've been adopted? I've wanted to be adopted my whole life and it never happened to me. And he said, you've been adopted and your father will be here soon to get you. And so what happened was that the father came to him and said, son, I am sorry that it has taken me 18 years to find you, but you will never have to worry about where you go from here, that you're my son until the day that I die. And they put that young man through school and he grows up to create one of the largest foster and adoption agencies in the state of Texas. 
And the judge said at that moment, like there is hope and there's redemption for kids if they just have one healthy adult who knows the color of their eyes and the passions of their heart and pour into them. And he said, the other little boy that I'm going to tell you about had the exact same story, the exact same amount of moves. They had all been transferred 22, 23 different times, same abuse, same psychotropic meds, except for he turns 18 years old, but there's no one there to kind of rescue him. And the doors open up and he just walks out at 18 and he has no direction and no clue. So he just begins to walk and it begins to walk until he can find the nearest freeway. And he throws himself in front of an 18-wheeler and he commits suicide. And the judge began to tell statistics about what happens to kids if we don't get to them. And I literally was at the conference and I just felt like, you know, we know that not everybody's called to foster. And we know that not everybody's called to adopt. But everyone can play a role and make a difference in a child's life. And I felt like it was my burden to bear. And I left that conference and I had made the decision that we were going to change the way that children experience care and that we were going to fully prepare them so that way when they turn 18, they don't become a statistic that says from foster care, they either end up homeless, commit suicide, they either end up human trafficked or in prison. And those statistics haunt me. And it is for that reason why I decided to create Austin Angels, which then turned into National Angels. And when I first started, I didn't didn't have this big dream about getting to every single child. But my dream has expanded since I first launched it. And now it is, how do we open a chapter of what we do in every metropolitan city across the country so that we can get to all 430,000 children in the foster care system? Wow, that's a that's a powerful story. I think that will um I mean, I think that would change anyone's life to hear that if not inspire them to go create this amazing organization, at least inspire them to care about this issue. And I think one of the things you touched on that that I've always wondered about was the connection between foster care and adoption. And on the other side of foster care, on the adoption side, I always hear how it's expensive or it's very difficult or and it's like there's all these factors involved. Are you guys doing anything um, to kind of help ensure these kids are adopted? Or is that even something you can do? Yeah. So I think what's interesting is that once children's rights, so the number one goal of foster care is reunification. That's the number one goal. But in some cases that doesn't happen. And so you've got children whose parental rights have been terminated, who are open for adoption. I think the beautiful thing about our program is exposing people to the need. And we have had volunteers. What's amazing is that we've had volunteers sign up to actually move forward and adopt. And we've had love box leaders and volunteers decide, okay, I'd like to take this deeper and now become a licensed foster parent. And so it's not our main goal to get children um, adopted. Our main goal is to ensure that every single child has relational permanency. But I can tell you that over the course of the first six months of this year, we've helped to celebrate over 50 adoptions just here in Central Texas, not nationally, just Central, because that's where our headquarters is out of. So we love when we get to rally around foster families who move to adoption. Um, But it's not our main goal, but it's always a cherry on top when that happens. Absolutely. 
And so it's National Angels, formerly Austin Angels, for those that might be somewhat familiar. Um, I know I wore a shirt that that I got from you a couple of weeks ago, and someone on Instagram said, hey, I saw this on, a, on another page that was promoting it. So I know you're getting visibility and traction. How can people help or get involved with, with what you do? Yeah, so anybody can go to nationalangels.org to find a chapter nearest them. And um, all the chapters, all the cities that we operate in are located there. And I would encourage you to get plugged in locally. There are so many children who need somebody to just walk alongside them and so many families who need support. So I'd say you can get plugged in locally. You can also follow us on all of our social channels. And then you can sign up to be a monthly contributor to our organization. We have big lofty goals and the only way that we'll get there is by the support of the community. So that's always a huge need for any nonprofit. And so can you tell us the the URL to your website or how to contact you? Yes, it's nationalangels.org. Awesome. Nationalangels.org. And uh, listen, I can't thank you so much for coming on. I'm almost emotional myself just still thinking about that story because it is such a stark contrast and such a... A simple but important commitment that person made in that child's life. And uh, and really the point there is that even at 18, that's not too late. And I think that's something people should understand as well. So, Susan, thank you so much for everything you guys do at National Angels. I've seen you grow. I'm very proud of it. Proud to know you guys and anything I can do to help. I want to. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. These children are born into a disadvantage to no fault of their own but they deserve all the same love and investment as any other child. I couldn't be more proud of Susan and the wonderful work she's doing for the next generation of proud Americans. Susan Ramirez is a true proud American. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand new proud American story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones, and thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.